Hey, I am just recording this off of my built-in computer microphone. So sorry, my grown-up microphone is in another room and I don't feel like getting it because, friends, I'm sleepy. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming back for another episode of Our Flag Means Death. I can't believe it. We're getting so close to the end, but I hope you enjoy our episode eight. And without further ado, take it away, theme song. Hello everyone, welcome to My Sister Made Me View It Miscellaneous, currently covering Season 1 of Our Flag Means Death. My name is Megan, and I should probably be cleaning my apartment. My name is Emily, and I spent a very good portion of the day weeding the garden, so I'm not going to say that I have to do anything. <laughs> so now we're going to be podcasting. We're gonna be podcasting and in today's episode we learn a lot about breakups and we are told time and again you can never break the chain <laughs> emily what are your first impressions of this episode this actually might be one of my top favorite episodes it's adorable <laughs> so the thing is i love the ending i love it i hate Gal <laughs> jack so much i boat jack horseman <laughs> he was a very interesting character i got a lot of old college brat boy like mm -hmm. like not past his prime but just like reliving the glory days and never quite growing up hi my head my headphones died. Oh, your brand new headphones. They're not new. Oh. <laughs> my, my old earbuds died. Okay. You were saying college frat boy. Yeah. I loved the way that they played his character of just, he is so, what's the word, immature. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there just feeling super uncomfortable the whole time because he is not reading the room and he is just being super creepy and yeah. mean and awful to everybody. People clearly don't want to do what he's there doing. Yeah. And he's just like trying to relive his glory days of this is how we did it. Yeah. I was going to say a jock trying to relive his glory days or yeah. like uh, an older guy coming to a bar and like talking about when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So same page and listen i know i'm not supposed to like jack like that's the point of him is he's supposed to be kind of everything distasteful about pirates mm -hmm. i feel like the the blackbeard and the izzy that we've gotten so far they're supposed to be like the perfect story of pirates like mm -hmm. this is what people think and then jack is like the really uncomfortable reality of like mean yeah <laughs> he's just mean he's just mean and and he blames all of his problems on other people it's never his fault mm -hmm. that got my dander up i uh when it's everyone else's fault and i didn't do anything wrong everything that went wrong was because of other people oh uh, bird guys, flew into my whip yeah. <laughs> everybody knows those people and those people are just so terrible to be around 
Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they, li- like they live in a fantasy world where they have built themselves up to be this cool, amazing person. And that's clearly not what is happening, but they are like through the power of their mind is trying to make that what it is really happening. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to we're going to talk through the episode proper. But we start with Olu sad and alone in the room. The room where Jim was. And he's so sad. He's so sad that he's all alone. Like, that's the only thing on his mind. He can't enjoy having the room to himself. It's just so empty without Jim also being there. Mm-hmm. And then we go up on the deck. And Emily, can you immediately give me an example of color grading in the shot on the deck? It's filmed in blue right but what's one of the things that clues you that it's color graded to be blue instead of being shot in blue i have no idea the onions are still sorry the onions are still yellow okay even though yellow doesn't show up under blue light how many swords are in the crowd I'm trying to help you train your eye. All of the pirates are just sleeping out in the open on the deck. Nobody looks very comfortable. Uh, Swede's in a barrel. Swede's in a barrel. I love the moment, though, where uh, Black Pete rolls over to put his arm on Lucius, and then Lucius reaches forward to touch him, too. I like that. Aww. Something that may be paralleled. Oh, Emily, guess what? What? You... Missed something that happened. I did miss something. Okay. Not not in this scene. You okay. missed something that happened in the episode when we watched it. And I'm okay. kind of glad you did because I'm really excited to point it out to you on the podcast. Okay. I also missed it the first time through. And my <laughs> friend Heidi had to point it out to me. I'm excited when we get to that. Okay. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Um, well, after we pan over everybody, we get buttons standing naked in the moonlight, moon bathing. Um... I don't ready, know if this ready, is what ready ready buttons. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I'm clever. <laughs> you are. Um, and this has nothing to do with the episode, but I don't know if this is something that people do on the regular or if this is just a weird thing that Buttons is doing. But Carl shows up. Apparently, Carl is late. Um. And it's not quite the full moon. Button says he's just getting ready for tomorrow. And there's a commotion down on the ocean. A commotion on the ocean. <laughs> commotion on the ocean. Okay. And it's Boat Jack Horse. <laughs> Man. <laughs> His boat is very clearly not on water. That is what killed me about this scene. He like stomps around this boat that's clearly surrounded by not, but like dry ice, you know, sort mm-hmm. of a thing. Movie magic, you know, that's just what happened. Yeah. But I just, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, you'd be interested to know that everything besides the boat and Jack in that shot is CG. That's CG fog. Oh, see, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, they, uh, they put the boat on pads on a soundstage. Um, and the water is all computer generated. How? No, stop. How can you tell it's CGI fog and not a fog machine? Uh, one, because I've seen the behind the scenes of this. Okay. 
And two, the shadow on the fog is, especially the shadow on the boat on the fog, Mm -hmm. is very soft. Um, And I think if it was being lit in a studio, uh, even though, because, because the moon is a soft source. Yeah, I think the shadow on the fog is too soft and like that's what tips it for me. Mm -hmm. Also, mist is very misty. It's like right there in the name. And if you want to be able to put computer-generated water underneath it, you would have to be able to completely isolate the background from the mist. Like you would need to be able to select the mist and isolate it so you can put it on top. That would be such a pain overlaying real mist onto a CG background. So the easy fix is to just have computer-generated mist on top of your computer-generated water so you don't have to worry about isolating your mist from your green screen master frame. Uh, And also, I saw a behind-the-scenes of later when Blackbeard and Jack are on the boat (laughs) that it's just pads underneath it because later when Ed dives off the boat into the water, uh, instead they just had to stack the boat up on three or four (laughs) pads and then Taika dives out of the dinghy just onto a pad on the ground and it's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to send that to me. I'd I'd be excited to see that. We get the title card carved into the back of the dinghy. Our flag means death. Good title job. carved. <laughs> what did I say? No, you said it right. I was oh, okay. making a pun. Good, good. You said it right. I was wrong. <laughs> I like the bit where they're going back and forth. Where it's like, there's Blackbeard aboard. <laughs> and Buttons is like, maybe he is. Maybe it's not. I know no Sandy in there. But every word, I sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> The this guy, is a good Buttons episode. The person who plays Buttons, his facial acting is amazing because he stretches his face in just such a great... Okay, that sounds weird, but there's... He overacts without overacting. Like, that is yeah. the character who just, like, his face is so expressive and the actor works very hard to make it look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Run in the shadows. But Steed is woken the next morning by cannons. And he knows yep. immediately those are his cannons. I He's love that he knows better. that. Yeah, yeah. And he walks out to find a stranger on the ship. This guy, I, I, okay, we didn't talk about this when we were watching the thing. But I'm wondering if he's supposed to be American because he has the fringe. I think he is. Okay. Yeah. He's supposed to be like a cowboy pirate. That's his gimmick because he's got the. Buck yeah. The fringe. And outfit. the fringe. Yeah. Like. Is it Daniel Boone? What's what's the. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Appropriated from natives. <laughs> but I figured out who this dude was. Here. Yeah. yeah. It's Will Arnett, who looks unrecognizable. The only way I knew it was him is he was off screen saying something, and I heard a cadence that I recognized from him being in something else, and I'm like, oh, I figured it out. I know. I I also didn't know who he was, and it was driving me just bazonkers, because I'm like, I know this is a famous actor, and I know I've seen him in things, and I've heard his voice, <laughs> and... A couple scenes in, Heidi was finally like, 
do you, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no! <laughs> he really is unrecognizable. He has this long, shaggy hair and this giant, blonde handlebar mustache. Looks glorious. Mm-hmm. Steed and Blackbeard are both trying to be good about this, like, nice about this up front. Mm-hmm. Like, Jack's rude to Steed, like, right away. And Blackbeard tries to run interference. Ed tries to run interference by saying, oh, he's joking. He's joking. And Steed's trying to be polite and a good host. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a this is a very new dynamic that we haven't done yet. And uh, I think one of the reasons why Jack is such an important connection for Ed is he's not a pirate that worships Ed. Mm-hmm. He's he's someone who treats him like an equal, and that may be because of Jack's massive ego. Um, <laughs> the things you know, he's like the on way the same that, level, yeah, yeah, what? the way that Blackbeard's crew uh, treats him, and the way that the crew of the Revenge do, um, and I think this might be one of the things that's making Steed jealous because. I feel that one of the things that Steed and Ed connected over is they felt like, oh, we understand each other better than anyone else. And we'll talk about that more in the breakup scene. <laughs> but <laughs> I got very much like, hey, this is an old college friend, an old college buddy um, who immediately wants to fall back into the old dynamics, not understanding that however many years have passed and people are different. Like, there's a big difference between sitting around and reminiscing because I have friends that I am still in touch with and they're a part of my almost everyday life that mm-hmm. I knew through, you know, from high school. And we will sometimes sit around and just be like, oh, ha, 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 remember how cool this was or whatever. Jack just wants everybody to slide back into how it was with no regard to who people are today. Um, yeah. He doesn't care to know who Blackbeard is today. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. causes a lot of issues. And not only that, but Jack wants to be the big dog of whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Right? He's the one that comes up with all the games. And he's the one that's, we're only doing the stuff he's good at. We're only doing the things he wants to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I do that sometimes. <laughs> Where I uh, arm wrestle people into only watching the movies and shows I want to watch. <laughs> Because I'm like, I have good taste. Everybody should like what I like. So my sister made me view it as a growing experience for you. Look at that. Uh, How many of the things that you have picked have I liked? None. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll find one. We will. (laughs) Oh, Meg is such a good sport. So even when you do stuff you don't want to. You're a very good sport. Honey in the shadows. (laughs) All right. Well, the the kind of B story on the ship this week is Olu being sad about Jim. So sad. uh, Because of his sadness of losing his special friend, Olu feels he can't even stay in their room They weren't together or anything. He's very clear. They almost were. He's they very clear about were. that. <laughs> I think I they think were he's gonna kiss and then Steed interrupted. I think he's just trying to make himself feel better about like, oh, it's not like yeah. anything really happened, even though clearly he really wished it would have. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, unfortunately for Emily, the Swede cannot have good teeth. Oh, I just want it. He lost his teeth in the last episode. Everyone's so mean to him. He finds out that the room is free. And he goes to claim it. And Frenchie overhears it. And is it Big John? Wee John. Wee John. <laughs> trips the Swede up as he's racing over. Which means then Wee John gets to also share the room. Like... He's like, I roommate status. (laughs) I just, the poor Swede. He just, I just felt so, I felt disproportionately bad for this person. (laughs) I'm like, he's not real. This is a television show. But I was really upset that he (laughs) didn't get it. So this fictional character is having a hard time. And that's sad for you. Yes. I understand. Thank you. So, uh, Frenchie and Wee John um, becoming room people, I think, is a very fun <laughs> yes. side story. Like, uh, I was expecting it to come back more because normally the B story has more setup and payoff, but it was just this fun story about them being roommates in their sitting nook. Mm-hmm. And Frenchie gets to draw again. Yes, he does. But he, he's he's drawing and he's telling Wee John, like, we're going to make this into whatever we want. And and they're just so excited about it. It gave me this whole episode gave me college vibes about this is our uh-huh. first apartment. Hey, we can put mints out when people come and visit. People are going to come visit. Well, that's what happened. Like, even like you meet a, a roommate and you both have very different ideas of how this should be. And yeah, yeah. You look like you have a very knowing face on. There's no face. <laughs> uh, I'm looking up the directors for a second. Okay. Um, my college experiences, I, I mean, listen, there were fancy, fancy places you could live. And there were really cheap places you could live. And I was usually always on the cheaper end just because I had to pay for it. Um, but oh my gosh, we went to visit my first semester. All three of my roommates got engaged. Oh, that was a really interesting semester, especially as a, as a freshman. But we went to go visit one of their, one of the fiancés and he was living in the super, super cheap, cheap dorms. Um, it was literally just cinder blocks and very tiny windows and the microwave stuck out into the hallway. You had to... He was very tall. He was okay. he was my favorite. He was my favorite out of all three fiancés. We were we were good friends. But he had to, like, duck under, like, this ledge. And I just remember being like, there's no sunlight. I would probably die in this place if I had to live here. No. Oh. So. Uh. So the next scene... I had to check to see if the directors had worked on Fleabag because this reminded me real hard of a couple Fleabag scenes. I mean, listen, it's a confessional and I'm not saying that every confessional scene is directed by the same person. But like (laughs) the moment when Jim opens the rectory, that can't be what it's called. The moment when Jim opens the confessional. (laughs) I was like, this is reminiscent of what I like from Fleabag. Anyway, no. But uh, so one of... Spanish Jackie's husband's is in confession. He's confessing, yeah, his sins for the week, and Jim is on the other side pretending to be the priest. The priest goes, oh, I think there's one more. Didn't you? 
betray someone, double-cross them, and leave them for dead at the hands of the Spanish? And then Geraldo's just like, <gasps> it, was very, it was very dramatic. And then Jim beats the crap out of him and really? drags him away. Like, listen, this is a show about pirates and the high seas and everything, but it's shot very tight. And so the violence that happens is very fast and very intense. And it was yeah. just like a, it was, it was a, listen, I'm, violence is wrong. I, we all know this. When Jim punches their hand through the screen and grabs Geraldo's head and just starts bashing it on the wood. I was like, I was not expecting this. So. And there's a very quick, there's a very cool editing cut hidden in there. Because obviously the blood is makeup and stuff. So it's it's a total of three shots. Uh, so there's camera setup A. Um, and that's... Uh, we see his face for just one last glimpse as Jim grabs him by the back of the hair. Wait, no, sorry. Let me, there's too much. Let me sum up. <laughs> so there's three shots. We see through the screen as Jim's about to punch their hand through. And then we see the hand come through the screen and grab him. Hits his head a few times against the side. And then we cut back to a camera setup from earlier. But... Now the actor has blood and, you know, beat up makeup on their face. But because we are shooting from a camera angle we've already used in the shot, it still feels continuous. Ooh. Is that the thing I missed? No. Okay. <laughs> also, they they lead your eye with the camera on the cut where uh, Geraldo is leaning back in shot one. So his his head's by the edge of the confessional mm -hmm. where jim slammed it and he starts to sit up in one scene and then we cut to the next shot he's bent over again and he's sitting up again um and so repeating this action uh actually helps the audience read it better okay here's something interesting we process film it takes us about eight frames to process what's going on in a shot Okay. That's like the time it takes for our eyes to look at it and say, brain, what is this? And the brain to say, this is what it is. And so if you want action to be more readable, you either have to make sure that the action lasts longer than eight frames so you have time to process it. And so if there's 24 frames a second, it doesn't take very much time, but it does take some time. Mm -hmm. So you either repeat the motion in order to lengthen it out and give the brain time to process or you make sure that action is all happening in the same spot so your eyes don't have to readjust and read new action. That's one of the things that the Mad Max Fury Road movie does so well. Megan, Megan, yep. I was yep. going to bring that up. I was oh, going to bring that up. Yes, but you you go. You do your thing. No, no, no. You you teach, Just, teach us about movies. So uh, the, one, the one thing I know about... Mad Max Fury Road uh -huh. is uh, when Mad Max is running through the cavern or at the camp or whatever. Mm -hmm. It feels a little choppy. And from what I understand, the editor, the director, it was the director's wife who edited it. I should yes. know that. Okay. Do you know what her name is? I believe it's Margaret. I will look it up. Okay. Well, Meg's looking that up. Uh, she deliberately cut out frames so it would feel choppy and disjointed so that the, the audience would see what Mad Max was seeing in the moment where he's so afraid and he's not quite sure what's going on and it just adds to the whole 
atmosphere of the scene. Yeah. So it's Margaret Sixel. Nice. Nice. And so you can deliberately make your action unclear if you want to like disorientate your audience as as done there. But for a lot of the action out on the road itself, they keep the point of interest as close to dead center frame as possible. So you don't have to like new shot, look to the new point of interest to the left, new shot, look over here to the right. Because um, a lot of action scenes, a lot of fight scenes and even conversation scenes are set up like a tennis match where one party's on the left and one party's on the right. And like when it's a shot about Aragorn where our eyes are always on this side of the screen and when it's a shot of Lurts that he's fighting, uh, we keep Lurts on the other side of the screen and we keep those screen sides consistent. But in Fury Road, for the quick cuts in the in the chase sequences, um, especially because so much of this film was discovered in editing that they, I mean, they did a lot of storyboards and pre-planning for it, obviously, um, but they also just shot a ton of footage and there's no way to like ensure it would all be contiguous with each other. So George Miller would always be harping on the camera operators to be like, keep it dead center screen, which is, you know, counterintuitive to uh, organic compositions because, you know, if something is static, if something is dead center, then, okay, you know Wes Anderson? How he like specifically does symmetrical centered shots. I'm going so far into the weeds. Here. I don't I'm personally so know him, but I know of okay. him. <laughs> so like a Wes Anderson uh, film uh, style is typified by very symmetrical centered shots, and it gives it a very particular look, a very particular style. And so you wouldn't think to have a mostly centered action thing, because like I said before, we like to set up action like a tennis match. We want to see people running across the screen. But because, like I said earlier, uh, because the eyes don't have to search around the frame, they were able to up their rate of editing because the eyes and the brain didn't have to readjust for every new shot. That is very cool. Thank you for coming to Filmmaking Corner. Uh, I just, I, they, they do a couple quick action cuts here for Jim's scenes that I really like. Almost, Emily, it's almost as if. Now that Jim is off the ship, Jim has left the fairy tale and stepped into their own genre of film. Ooh. Jim's John Wicking it through the Siete Gaios. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy that they weren't gone. I was really sad last week. Yeah. I thought that maybe their contract only had like covered X amount of episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was really, really glad that they came back this week. Okay, did you see the names of the directors at the end of this episode? Bert and Bertie? Yeah, can you guess what those names are nicknames of? Robert and Bettina. Bettina, that is a Muppet Christmas Carol (laughs) name. Do you think there's a parent somewhere that named a child Bertina after seeing the Muppet movie? Anything is possible. Me on this on this podcast. <laughs> no, I did not invite you. If memory serves, I made you view you it. <laughs> All right, Bert is short for Amber Templemore Finlayson. Okay. So the Amber Templemore Bert mm-hmm. and Bertie. How is... is that any different than Bertina? 
Emily, it was it was supposed to be a goof where you're like, I'm going to guess boys' names, oh. and then I'm going to be like, surprise, this episode was directed by two women. Uh, and then Birdie is the nickname of Katie Elwood, and they are a pair of directors, and they are professionally known as Bert and Birdie. They I are British, it. which is another one of the reasons where I'm like, did they do Fleabag? They didn't. They have, however, previously directed on The Great, and Emily... They directed three episodes of Hawkeye, a show you really enjoyed. Oh, which was so good out of all the TV ones. That was the best one out of all the Marvel TV mm-hmm. shows. Hawkeye was the best one. So I don't know if you know the the names of the Hawkeye episodes, but they directed Echoes, Partners, Am I Right? And Ronin. Those were the oh, three that they directed together. Those are very good episodes. But I, I don't have a cool nickname to be a director, I'm just, I'm just using my full name. Can't you just be Belinda? <laughs> I don't want to be Belinda. <laughs> Listen, Emily, come learn to make movies. Okay. We can be co-directors. We'll be Belinda and Bertina. <laughs> okay. I get to be Belinda. <laughs> I'm Belinda. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Oh. Thank you, everyone, for coming on this filmmaker's journey. We are now back. We are circling back. And we are at... Breakfast. Uh, breakfast. Where there's two settings, obviously, for Steed and Blackbeard, which I love. And it's a really nice breakfast, too. It's a- there are berries and half a grapefruit, uh, biscuits, scones, and beans. Think roach- it's an English oh. breakfast. <laughs> yeah, Roach made it all. But Steed is relegated to the far end of the table as Jack just takes his spot. Without a proper play setting. Without a proper play setting. And Emily, I feel this scene is very reminiscent of something else in the show already, but I'm going to ask you if you feel you've seen a scene like this before. In the show? Yeah. In this episode or in a different episode? Different episode. Uh, well, there was the dinner party. With all the fancy people where mm-hmm. Ed used a melon fork to eat a prawn. That That is something that also happened. I actually find it really reminiscent of, and I know this is way back, in the pilot. You know the parallels we had of Steed having dinner with his family versus mm-hmm. having dinner with the British officers? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That we're again getting the similar camera setups of camera as dead center and the table looking at Ed and looking at Steed. And I feel listen again welcome to megan reading too much into the show she really <laughs> likes listen you get to experience media however you want to thanks thanks <laughs> i really feel it drives home just how much steed is feeling pushed out of a place he thought he belonged Ooh. like his family like british society and he like found this new camaraderie with ed where they were sitting next to each other at the table like they probably like i don't think this is the first time steed's made them breakfast like this or steed has made roach make them breakfast like this <laughs> and it's it's sad mm-hmm. yeah it's and it's a weird it made me think again the college thing it's always a weird dynamic when you get a group of friends together and they pull in a completely new person and you're trying to figure out where you fit because you want to be polite to this person that is a big part of your friend's life. But sometimes like if, if you go to different colleges, 
you know, like, you're not going to be a part of that. And it's weird to be like, you're my friend, but I have no idea what's going on in your life here. But this person does. And poor Steed tries his very best to insert himself into the conversation over and over and over. And Jack is a rude, rude boy. Yeah, not only, like... It's more than actively ignoring him. Jack keeps interrupting him and, like, steering the conversation back. And mm-hmm. then we talk about the people Blackbeard has murdered. Oh, Jack is just, like, so enthralled with this story about, you know, basically it's, he's like, oh, Blackbeard set the ship on fire and murdered a bunch of people. And Jack goes on and on with a lot of detail that obviously everyone's very uncomfortable with. But he's just talking about what a great pirate Blackbeard is. And even Blackbeard's uncomfortable. He's obviously not proud of this. And he's like, well, technically I didn't kill them. The fire killed them. Like, because in episode six, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, that was my thought. Okay. In episode six, Blackbeard confessed to Steed that he hadn't murdered anyone since he murdered his dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, question, does he really feel like the fire murdered them? Or, I mean, he set them up to be murdered. Does he count yeah, that? For, for me, I feel it's, he hasn't killed anyone with his own two hands. Got it. But he hasn't been careful to preserve the life of everyone he's attacked. Is now, a spear responsible for the murders? <laughs> <laughs> there is something that I would like to point out. Someone else has set a ship on fire and abandoned the crew. It was Steed. It was Steed. But it was it was comedic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it was a funny, oh no, the ship's going down. Listen to all the silly people screaming and jumping off. And all the characters we care about got away safe. And oh, ho, ho, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's this filter of the crew of the revenge is in a fairy tale. That like, even though the ship was burning and going down, Emily, in that episode, were you imagining all the Frenchmen being roasted to death in the ship? Not really. Like, maybe a couple. I'm like, like, that's not great that they're just leaving them to die in the middle of the ocean. But I wasn't, like, concerned. I really wasn't concerned. Bottom line. Yeah, because you're like, oh, uh, he got stabbed to the mast and he was fine. Yeah. Like, it's not, it to quote WandaVision, it's not that kind of show. Mm-hmm. But... Where Jack and Blackbeard, you know, where Jack and Ed were before mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. And they keep talking about this captain that they had, Hornigold. And they keep going on and on about, oh, he was a great captain. He beat us. And he, you know, hurt us. And he was so awful to us. And he was just the best captain. And again, it brings me back to episode one where Steed is like, piracy is a culture of abuse. And they're like, oh, did we pass or no sorry it's, it's a little bit later where um jack makes a snide remark about steed being a store-bought pirate oh yes several times yes which is something that you and i talked about earlier that uh steed didn't work his way up through the ranks he didn't start on the ship of another captain like ed did like jack did and that's I think one of the reasons why Jack just doesn't respect him because he's like, oh, you're not a real pirate. You're yeah. a fake pirate. And listen, Jack is a real pirate, but he's not that good at it. Stop a second. Okay. Where's Fang? Uh, They're not in this episode. We don't see Fang or Ivan. Are they just off on they, their own uh, adventure? Are they okay? <laughs> they might have left when Izzy left. Okay. 
I only say that because you sent me a picture. The actor who plays Fang got a dog, and he posted yeah. a picture of it. And it's very cute, and so I just want Fang to be okay. Yeah, I I think when Izzy left, that the rest of the crew must have just drifted off. Okay. Uh, where's Blackbeard's ship? <laughs> yeah. Maybe you just put anchor down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's time for a new game, Whippies. And Emily, you asked me, is this CG or is the actor actually whipping it? So I believe that the bottles are practical, but the whip is CG. Okay. Just because there are people who have that skill, and I just wondered if they'd hired someone to be a stand-in for Jack or anything like that, because that would have been very mm-hmm. cool. Um, the reason why I think the whip is CG, one, it, it doesn't look stiff enough to be a real whip. Uh, it looks, like, really flowy and really loose. But, you know, maybe it is. Maybe they did bring someone in, but I have gone to the Ren Fair. Uh, six out of the last seven weekends and I've watched Aaron Bonk's fire whips and swords show a lot and so I like to think of myself as a whip watching expert (laughs) and also it's just pretty dangerous like even if you have someone trained to have all your principal actors there while someone's throwing a whip around because someone could get hurt like the swede (laughs) or the bird or the bird (laughs) But I do think, I think the bottles themselves might be practical. Okay. They might be CG. No, I think they're practical. I think the I think the bottles were set up and then shot with squibs or pellets. Okay. <laughs> I just remember watching commercials with you and like our parents were there and you're just like, oh, that's CG. And dad's like, how could you possibly know this? And then you list all the reasons of like shadows and weight and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And you're trained. This is your job. You're trained to do this. I know. I was watching a TV show with a friend. And I'm not going to tell you which friend. And a shot came up with a car stunt. And I said, oh, that's CG. And he's like, this is a TV show. They don't have a CG budget. And I'm like, what about the three different CG creatures that are in the show. And he's like, well, they've budgeted for those, but they probably wouldn't waste the CG on anything else. And I'm like, well, they wouldn't be putting their principal actors in a car. And he's like, it's a stunt actor. And so I had to be like, look at the weight of the snow. Look at the way the truck moves through it. Look at the way it's casting a shadow. And he just didn't believe me. And I'm like, I'm going to have to drop this. We're going to have to keep watching. But I am 100% certain that this very dangerous car stunt in the snow was done with a CG truck and not the practical truck they had on set. Because I know these things. (laughs) So I took a practical special effects class once in college and therefore that makes me an expert. No, it doesn't. Um, But one of the weeks we talked about practical breaking glass on set and like all the different safety measures behind it that they'll use glass made out of sugar or they'll use tempered glass and one of the things i found out is when an actor has to crash through glass they break the glass for you milliseconds before you hit it okay so let's say there is a truck driving through a a glass window they will have a small metal 
peg, you know, it's known as a hammer and that's set up to a button, it's set up to a switch. And so the peg is set in the bottom of the window. And when your actor reaches a certain point, your you know, uh, effects coordinator will hit the button, the little piston will fire and will hit the glass so hard that it will weaken and pre-shatter the glass so that when the stunty breaks through, they're not responsible for trying to shatter all of the glass by themselves. <laughs> and, uh, but before it was automated like that, Emily, do you know how they used to pre-break glass for stuntmen? Did they throw something at it? Slingshots and ball bearings. Oh, no, you better hope you're a good shot. So the teacher was like, anyone know how to use a slingshot? And I'm like, I've done it before. We we obviously, we weren't having a character run through. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was like, oh, do you think you could hit this pane of glass? I'm like, yeah. I think I could. And so I had a big, heavy ball bearing, you know, like a, about the size of a marble. And I was like pulling it back and I'm, you know, doing conceal it, don't feel it, don't let it show because I'm like, this would be so embarrassing if I miss after I volunteered and said I had slingshot skills. And so he was like, I'll pretend to be the stunt coordinator. And so we like waited and waited and he's like, and now. And I shattered the pane of glass nice. and I was like, ha, ha, ha. Nice. There you go. Whippies does not seem like a fun game. No, not at all. Because, like, he's whipping stuff that people are holding in their hands who aren't even playing. And they get hurt. And then everyone just tries to laugh it off because, like, this is Blackbeard's guest. Yeah, Calico Jack is cool. But, like, oh, the sweet does such a good job acting because he's like, ow. And he's, like, trying to smile. But you can obviously tell, like, that really hurt. And... I just, yeah, that's what I'm like. Calico Jack, you are out. I think Steed recognizes the bully when he sees one. Oh, that's true. That's true. And that's his crew that he wants to protect. And But with the rules of society, he can't, he can't just tell the guy to leave because that would be rude as compared to the ending when he does it anyway. <laughs> Whip my balls was improvised. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> I would love to be on set and watch Taika act. Like, I, I wouldn't want to do anything. I wouldn't, like, want to be a part of the movie or anything. But I would just like to be a fly on the wall and, like, see his energy. I just think that would be a fun experience. But Steed, you know, does recognize a bully. And he, he does a little, a little, I think, English bullying himself. Where he's just like, oh, if you're a real pirate, because, you know, Calico Jack throws out the thing about being a store-bought pirate. Um, he's kind of like, where's your crew? You know, he's, he's, but he does it very pleasantly, very like, oh, well. Uh, passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. He's using his skills that he has, you know, um, how he knows how to deal with bullies or, or people in society. And Calico Jack breaks down crying because they mutinied. And it was like the third Your time has happened this year. <laughs> yeah. And everyone immediately is like, Steve, that was so rude of you to say. And they're all like comforting him and really trying to like, you know, make Jack feel better, even though, which I think speaks highly to this crew, even though he's, he's not really their favorite person. They still don't want to see him, anyone unhappy. Do you know what they're do you know what they're teaching him how to do? Talk it through as a crew? Yes. 
And so Blackbeard actually pulls Steed aside and apologizes, just saying, oh, he's really insecure. This isn't, you know, he's he's just posturing. Like, you just need to get to know him. And Steed, being the wonderful man he is, decides to cheer Jack up by taking him to a place that Captain Hornigold had talked about, and which is Blind Man's mm-hmm. Cove. And Jack's like, really? You'd really do that? Oh, thanks. And so they go and go on an adventure to this cove. Uh, they play another game after they did whippies. Now they do yardies. I would, I think I would play yardies. I like doing pretty high diving boards. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> when we were watching this, when Roach jumps off, when he was up on the, the yard arm, Emily, you were like, does he get hurt? Does he get hurt? And what did I tell you? You said cartoon hurt, which, listen, in this show could be anything. And so I closed my <laughs> eyes and covered my ears. <laughs> so he hits the side of the ship and then he goes into the water and he doesn't come back up again but he pops up later in the episode he's just fine mm-hmm. so like he gets about as hurt as wily e. coyote or tom and jerry mm-hmm. that's what i meant by cartoon hurt got it, got it the revenge is a fairy tale mm-hmm. he didn't break any ribs <laughs> nope um so while the crew is traveling to blind man's cove we uh get to see jim who has brought Geraldo back to Spanish Jackie's bar, they are looking for the location of the people who killed their family. And Jim has Geraldo at knife point and is like, you tell me, talking to Spanish Jackie, you tell me where these people are or I'm going to kill your husband. And Geraldo's like, don't, what does he say? Because it's so funny. Don't try to save me. Don't try to save me. And Jackie immediately shoots and kills him. (laughs) this scene was one of the top scenes because it's jim and jackie kind of duking it out like one upping each other kind of like i am not left-handed and yeah they finally are like hey we've you know i left you for dead you killed my husband Uh, let's call it a draw and let's go drinking oh i have another filmmaker's tangent (laughs) okay let's go that when they are fighting each other it's on a wider lens uh, so one of the reasons why I saw on a wider lens is to give the background a lot more motion when the camera pivots around them mm-hmm. to make it feel like a super cool action shot. It's uh, it's one of the things that Michael Bay does with his shots um, is that the background moves a lot, a lot, while, even while you have the people staying mostly centered. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing the action in the wide angle lens. And then when we ha- cut to the moment where Jim has their knife up against Jackie's throat, we could have done that in the wide, but they they sneak a cut in there right at the end and we switch to a different lens. So the background is now out of focus and our people are in focus um, because you generally shoot, I don't want to say like glamour or beauty shots, but you shoot uh, shots focused on your actors with a shorter lens. Yeah, cool. There you go. Um, you're going to be so pro at making movies by the time we're done with this. I'm going to understand how color gradients work. (laughs) You are. Well, I think anytime we're in Spanish Jackie's place, it's color graded because everything's in like gold and yellow and, you know, anyways, Mm -hmm. uh, Jackie and Jim are talking and Jim is saying, I really need to find the people who killed my family. And Jackie reveals that Geraldo was one of those people. And so we've got, we've got two people down. 
out of five or six i don't know seven seven siete siete um wait yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) in spanish on my finger i'm like ocho is eight like i was literally gonna say that like you can skip eight and jackie's explaining to jim you don't want to end up like me you know obsessed with revenge and i have a bar and i married to all these people and and jackie asks jim to guess how old she is and jim guessed 50 an audience emily guessed 23 she's 25 and she's just the life has taken a toll i know how humor works i think that would have been hilarious i'm just like a young a young would be a young age would be much funnier than an older yeah. age. So by Price's Right rules, I win. You won. You got. You guessed the closest without going over. Uh, but yeah, it's the anger. Jackie says twenty three is emotionally closer to twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and so Jim has some stuff to think over mm-hmm. be- when it comes to vengeance, mm-hmm. because I don't think they were really set on doing vengeance obviously until they ran it back into their nana and and she was like i raised you to do coming this nana. and coming for some cake so yeah so meanwhile back on the beach one of the places where they shot on location instead of on a sound stage they are having a fight with a turtle versus a crab steed's not really into it so he goes into the nearby forest Sorry, it's an island, not a forest, <laughs> to do his business. And then who should interrupt but Calico Jack? To and Emily, plant... you said that. Oh, it's a literal pissing contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think is a great touch. Oh, uh, should we mention on the podcast that one of the things Jack and I have in common is how loudly we pee? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Listeners, we were on vacation once with just the sisters. <laughs> and you know, I drink a lot of water. That's why I have nice skin. I stay hydrated. And I got up in the morning to go to the bathroom, like you do in the mornings. And then I finish my business and wash my hands and I step outside the bathroom. And all three of my sisters are just staring at me. Staring. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And they're like, you pee so loud. <laughs> like Niagara Falls. <laughs> it was so surprising. We all stopped what we were doing. <laughs> like, no one said anything. We just looked at each other like, okay, it's not just me, right? It's definitely weird at how loud a volume this is. <laughs> I'm stopping that part. But um, I have a very powerful diaphragm, okay? I may not put that story in, but okay, that's fine. It's just for us. So, and uh, Jack suggests that he and Ed might have slept together before. Mm -hmm. Anything goes on the high seas, he says. Yeah. And I think what he does by saying that is he's putting down he's like what you have with ed isn't special Mm -hmm. in fact you don't 
have anything with him because you know he and i we have a history mm-hmm. he's really undermining no he's really planting doubts in steed's head and i was just so upset because steed is such a good person that that you know that jack is deliberately doing this he's deliberately being mean it's not oh you were i mean he's kind of playing by steed's rules about doing the passive aggressive thing I think because that's what Steed mm-hmm. understands. I don't think that it would have had the same outcome had Jack, like, challenged him to a duel or something yeah. like that. And I thought it was really sneaky that he was using Steed's experiences and yeah. against him. Yeah, he knows he knows Steed's good moves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I hate it. So this was on location. <laughs> All I could think of the whole time is what a bad time I would have. If I was on set that day. (laughs) In leather on the beach. Yes. And also, I don't know if you know this, and I I, I don't want to get us on another tangent, but how do they keep their actors from getting sunburned and, like, make the makeup match? I am so glad you asked because I was just about to tell you. I only asked because I'm a redhead and I have very Mm -hmm. fair skin. Yeah. One sunscreen uh yeah and probably spray on sunscreen that can be laid over top but in the time between takes everyone gets sunbrellas <laughs> so there are behind the scenes photos of you know like we john sitting under an umbrella at the beach because uh kieran's irish <laughs> so, yeah they get they get umbrellas and so steed is steed's upset and he's like i'm just gonna go back to the ship and Blackbeard's really trying to get him to stay. And Jack is like, oh, we're going to play coconut something where basically you, you take coconuts and throw them at each other's faces. Like, this is their idea of fun. This is a pirate's idea of entertainment. And Steed is just like, he doesn't say it, but his, he comes across as like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. And again, I feel like Blackbeard has been put in the middle, which is a position he is not used to at all it's either everyone fawns over me or everyone's afraid of me and to have steed just like not stand up to him but just say i don't want to do this and do something other than like you yeah i don't like who you are with him Mm -hmm. and then ed says but this is who i am yes okay this might be me going off tangent. I Go for hate it. that line. Oh, yeah. I hate that line. Just because, listen, sometimes you have to be different people around. You have to be a different person around different people. Yeah. Ideally, you should be able to be who you are all of the time. Uh-huh. I get that. But that just always bothers me when someone says that to someone else because that just means you're not acting the way I want you to act. But I think in Steed's case, this is you're not acting the way I know you are. Yeah. Because we are seeing kind of a, a weirder, wilder side of to Blackbeard at this point. So I don't blame Steed for saying it here. I'm just saying it's like I hate Journey Before Destination. I was gonna I bring that. that up. I was gonna make a joke about it. I'm like, so it's not the person you are, it's the person you become on your journey to get there. Yeah. Sisters, sisters. But yeah, I just wanted that to go on record. I hate when people say that because I'm like, guess what? People don't have to perform for you. 
mm-hmm. how you want them to be. Ed and Steed have been on the same page all the way through. Mm-hmm. Right? They they recognize, even though they're both from two worlds, one family, they're from very different lives. They recognize, oh, this about you is like this about me. And they've been connecting and been teaching each other their differences. And I think this is really the first time that there's been conflict. We almost had it in the last episode because Ed didn't want to go on the adventure, but he eventually Mm -hmm. folded and just like went along with it. And he was nice to Steed, even though he didn't really care about what was going on. Mm -hmm. And in this situation, I think he was hoping that Steed would go along with Ed's things, Ed's stuff, the way that he went along with Steed's treasure hunt but if there's anything we know about steed if it's not perfect he doesn't want it um and i think because of what steed says in this scene that's why ed leaves with jack Mm -hmm. i think i think steed is just like oh i'll just give him something to think about but really he like kind of rejects he really rejects ed here uh Mm -hmm. especially when he's like i don't like who you are with this guy but Ed is like, I'm being my authentic self here. You really hate my authentic self. And mm-hmm. Emily, what did I ask you to keep an eye out for that's in this scene? The black ribbon. And guess who pointed it out? You did. I did. So he's still wearing Steed's scarf from when they switched mm-hmm. clothes. Yeah. Got you that scarf at the very first week because it reminds you of innocence and smells like me (laughs) uh it's at night the party's still going they've been going since sun up Mm -hmm. and now we're encouraging the other crew to try whippies and it gets being so dangerous i was so worried because the swede has a cup on his head and jack is super drunk and and the swede i think is drunk as well because he's like do it do it do it um but yeah uh buttons is out there trying to moon bathe which is was his plan all along and carl is there with him bosk and moon glow um yeah, Jack goes way too far because there is a tragic accident and Carl is murdered. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that. I'm sure that pun's been made a million times before. Oh. Buttons is obviously despondent and everyone the mood immediately drops and jack is trying to boost it back up again of just like uh, uh, you guys are all just like too sensitive about this and and mm-hmm. i didn't do this the bird did it himself he flew into my whip and it's just a really tense emotionally yeah. yucky scene because everyone on the ship is just like oh my gosh carl is dead this is a big deal and jack has no idea of the magnitude of what he has just done <laughs> and this is when steed comes out and says get off my ship he's finally been pushed far enough that the society yeah barriers have broken he's yes. stepping up to be a pirate captain he's taking control of his ship oh i love that yeah uh his like you said his crew that he wants to protect jack has gone too far 
time to be annoying and point out color grading. Uh, but this scene <laughs> has a very a, a current in vogue in color grading is called orange and teal. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where you boost the lighting up really warm and then you boost the background really cool. Again, Mad Max, tons of orange and teal. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I like it. And it's really easy to do on your own photos and it looks great. It's not something I would have like really picked up on because I'm just like, oh yeah, the light shows up. But now that you've pointed it out, yeah, like everything is really, really blue and the lights are turned up yeah. very bright. And so uh, it's very cool. What you're saying about this scene being like really emotional and really uncomfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. Besides the first time I watched it with Heidi, I've skipped it every other time I've watched this episode except <laughs> watching it with you because I do it for the podcast and do it for the vibe man mr buttons is just going all out to lay a hex on jack but anyway Mm -hmm. steed comes to kick him off but and 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 at first it's set up so it looks like steed and ed are on the same team because steed's like get Mm -hmm. off my ship and ed's standing right behind him looking like his backup but then Mm -hmm. emily will happen oh um ed goes with jack he leaves like jack I think Jack fully expects everyone to come with him because he's like, come on, who's with me? Um, And he is not expecting people to remain faithful to their captain because none of his crew remains faithful to him. That is such a good point. I feel he's saying this to convince only Ed to leave because we find out later this is part of a plot and... Uh, I think in what he's saying to the crew at large is secretly a very targeted uh, psychological attack on Ed. <laughs> Jack used being an a- It's super effective. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Steed is, like, he does not ask... At least what I remember. You correct me if I'm wrong. He does not ask Ed to stay, but he's very like, why would you go with him? You're leaving. You know, with you're him. leaving. He he doesn't beg him to stay. He doesn't, you know, do any of that. But the things that he says, it's just, and the way, this is a great, everyone's a great actor. I know we've said this a million times, but everyone on the show is a fantastic actor. Um, just like the hurt on his face of just... This was not an outcome he expected. Like you said, he was assuming that Ed was was his backup. and mm-hmm. But I think Ed is still smarting from the comment that Steve made earlier. And he's just like, this is who I am. This is, this is me. So the shot where Ed is just about to get off the boat and he looks back over his shoulder. You know, his hair's mostly covering his face and he's like, you know, take care. This mirrors the very first shot when we saw Blackbeard. Not when he's walking up to Steed in the smoke, but when he's on his ship and he's, uh, oh, you know, he's like smoking his pipe and he looks almost over his shoulder for that last moment. And mm-hmm. it really feels like it's set up. This is the last time that we're seeing Ed because it mm-hmm. mirrors the first time that we saw Ed. And then yeah. Steed is just lip quivering eyes filling with tears reese darby sir (laughs) um i love that okay again we've talked about how good this show is but it keeps proving over and over how good the writing is how good the setup is Mm -hmm. um because blackbeard wakes up 
face down in the sand on a beach and Jack is off in the distance getting them breakfast. And you compare that to the breakfasts that he's used to doing with Steed versus, oh, this is the cold, harsh reality of reality. (laughs) Uh. Uh, Because Jack has no idea what he's doing. He has no idea on how to prepare breakfast or whatever. So his solution eventually is to just drink for breakfast. Again, getting the whole, like, reliving the glory days old frat boy sort of a thing yeah listen i hope being a frat boy is fine people are that i'm i'm just saying there's some people that hold on to it too much and you need to move on and that was a part of your life but now it's not and hey what you can't lay on my my white shirt for tomorrow black cat (laughs) excuse me sir i need this if if you just let me have it you can lay down on this cushion i just need the white shirt (laughs) oh um but I really liked this setup and the the difference between the the sh- breakfast on the ship versus you're in the middle of nowhere finer things in life because Blackbeard likes the finer things in life. He likes that yummy lavender soap. <laughs> yeah. He is I mean he's a pirate and so this is like him being on a beach that's par for the course but you can tell that he's uncomfortable like he's slowly kind of stepping out of his piratiness. This does not make sense. I apologize. No, no. But he's... It, it does make sense. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you want to keep going or can I step in and... and... You you step in. I was just kind of... Yeah, All right. Yeah. Teamwork. So I'm going to finish what you were building. Mm-hmm. He's been in kind of this happiness bubble living in the fairy tale with Steed. And now he's mm-hmm. back in the bleak world of pirate logic where you're hungry, but there's no food, so you just have rum, and you're uncomfortable, and there's sand, and there's sun, and your leather clothes, and he's left behind the fairy tale, because he feels like all he deserves is the pirate's life. Mm-hmm. Because that's who he is, but he's starting to realize that's not who he is. Who he is anymore. <laughs> so... They are off on the beach, but has the revenge sailed away, Emily? No. Because what's the captain doing? He's curled up in his window with the spyglass watching them and being worried for Ed about like, oh, he's drinking and it's the first thing in the morning. No. He is deeply envious of Jack. (laughs) He's he's got nice hair. You've got nice hair. His mustache is weird. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Why is Olu sleeping in the captain's quarters? Because I think he's lonely because he, you know, gave his his room up. And so now we've got Frenchie and Wee John in the thing. And he asks if he can sleep there that night. And they said, absolutely not. He's like, I'll just sleep in the corner. That's like, they said, that's our city nook. Like, they, (laughs) because I feel like on a regular pirate ship, you would just sleep wherever you could sleep. But they've been fancified, I guess, by Steve because... This is a city nook, and you only sit in the city nook. And I just really like that. But he he slept on the couch in the captain's quarters. This is one of my favorite scenes in this episode, because Lucius comes in. Yeah, he does. And clearly recognizes the sign of a breakup, even if Steed does not. And he, it's just so sweet. It's so sweet, because I, I, (laughs) 
he comes over and he realizes that um, the captain is obsessing over what's going on. And I feel like this could happen in any frat house, any sorority, any college thing of someone obsessing over their exes, any roommate obsessing over their exes, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And like, take, cause Lucius comes in and like, takes away the spyglass. Very cute. Hello. (laughs) And I could just see a good friend or good roommate, like taking the phone away and like putting it away and being like, okay, we're going to get over this person. Here we go. <laughs> Here's the tried and true method. <laughs> because Lucius is fantastic at breakups. Do we find out more about his past? I think it's done. It's so sad. Uh, Lucius is like in his element here, though. I love this scene. Because remember in the last episode, he was so excited about Blackbeard and Steed being together. Yeah. And what he has done is he's gathered all of Blackbeard's things from the ship, brings it to him on the cove, and says it's all there. Don't even think about reaching out to, like, as an excuse to contact him because I've done that before and I know how this works. And he kind of gives, again, Blackbeard what for about, he tells him straight up, he really, really liked you. He's uh, hearkening back to the Pinocchio established in the first in the first pilot episode lucius is ed's jiminy cricket when it comes to matters of the heart oh i like that uh (laughs) then jack is like should we kill him and take his dinghy even though they have a rowboat (laughs) and ed is like of course not we're not gonna kill lucius (laughs) and ellie Mr. Buttons is crying at the side of the ship. Like snot and tears everywhere. Yeah. Still naked. Still, Still naked. naked. <laughs> and another bird I don't think shows he wears up. clothes. I don't think he wears clothes the whole episode. He doesn't. He is nude the whole episode. And I they do this thing, which I love, which is when things on set barely hide the full frontal. I get a that's that's a joke i love every time (laughs) my favorite one is in wallace and gromit the curse of the were rabbit (laughs) because there's there's a couple you know shots that hide it and at one point a character gives another nude uh a character gives a nude man a box and he hoists it up around his waist this is this is a kid's movie i'm watching it with my mom and one of my aunts both very reserved when it comes to their sense of humors and there was a sticker on the box, because it was a food box. There's a sticker on the box that said, may contain nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it laughing so hard. And my mom is like, what? What is it? I'm like, it's nothing. I just, I like this movie. <laughs> Don't Imagine me telling mom and aunt Christine why I was laughing. (laughs) No. I've never seen that movie before. It sounds like a great movie. (laughs) That's going on our list. I'm going to make you watch that. (laughs) Emily, it is so, it is so good. Besides Chicken Run, it is my favorite art movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. 
Um, but anyway, uh, so like there's scenes where Button's standing on the deck and like the railing barely hides it or he's like the camera barely cuts it off. And in fact, the scene where Carl gets hit, he's standing behind a pole so you can't see his pole. Um, and then when Carl gets hit, he spins around, but he takes a step to the left. So then even though you can't see uh, his may contain nuts um when he <laughs> moves to the side you do get his full butt because this show can show butts and in fact they show mr buttons several times <laughs> <laughs> this i was not expecting to be so i mean okay let me take that back i was surprised at how sad i was about the bird um mainly because of mr buttons reaction and he's so distressed about it. And just, it's really, really sad. And another bird flies up and lands next to him. And it has a conversation with him with subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> it's Carl's wife or girlfriend or whoever. And, and she says, Nathaniel, Carl's told me a lot about you. He didn't come home last <laughs> night. <laughs> I've got some hard news, Luffy. <laughs> Yeah, she introduces herself. Her name is Olivia. And I love that he immediately gives her a nickname. I loved that. Okay, I... There's so many scenes I love. So if you are all tired of me saying, I love this scene, I love this scene. It's just, I love these scenes. Remember it how I talked captain. for like 15 minutes about Len's choice? You talk about whatever <laughs> yeah, you want. Listen, what is it that Frenchie says about the room? We have to design our sanctum. No limits. Whatever we want it to be. This okay. podcast is our sanctum. And if you want a favorite things nook, where we only talk about your favorite things in the nook. I get the thing. Go. Awesome. It is the captain in a very fancy outfit. He always wears fancy outfits, but this I feel is like extra special. I feel like he's dressed up to make himself feel better. I could do um, that. <laughs> and he's explaining basically giving an explanation to the pirates that ed is gone we've broken up we still love you just the same nothing has changed you did nothing like it's very much played as we're getting divorced here's how it's gonna be we both love you very 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 much and black pete is the problem child of this episode <laughs> So, yeah, like you like you said, they're setting it up like it's a divorce. Neither of us will love you any more or any less than we already do. <laughs> and like you said, Black Pete is being like, uh, what if some of us saw ourselves more as Blackbeard's employee? <laughs> Lucas is like, I swear, baby. <laughs> <laughs> because Black Pete keeps saying stuff like that, you know, and, and everyone's just like, read the room. What are you eating that looks very good? I am eating Girl Scout cookies. Oh. I saved them for such a long time. <laughs> and I pulled them out this week because I had a really hard week at work. And I'm like, if you get your stuff turned in, you can eat your Girl Scout cookies. So I'm eating the um, the coconut wheels. Mm-hmm. Where they're like caramel and 
roasted coconut and drizzled. I was trying to only eat them while you spoke, so I wouldn't have <laughs> sorry, to have I called you out. on the podcast. But <laughs> so sorry. The people need to know. We can part the curtain for them and let them know <laughs> I eat while we're podcasting. Cause I, all, all the time. I'm not a professional podcaster because I haven't been paid for it. Jack and Ed are on the boat rowing away. And, you know, Jack's still... I don't think Ed's really paying attention to what Jack's saying. He's um, kind until, of watching the revenge, yeah. you know, out of the corner of his eye. Until Jack mentions, when I heard that you had shacked up with him. And Emily, did you see this coming? No, I didn't. I yeah. just thought... Me neither. No I idea. just thought Jack was just an idiot, you know. But he is there on behalf of Izzy, who has asked Jack to go rescue Ed before the English come to get the revenge. Uh, because if you remember back to when uh, Admiral Badminton was talking to Izzy and Jackie, mm-hmm. Izzy said, we'll give you Steed Bonnet, but for a price. And it seems like the price is Ed goes free. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth goes free. Yes, yes. <laughs> we all know that. What else? And the crew. They don't have to be harmed as well. Um, and I adore Ed in this scene because he gets so angry. He gets so angry. And he's just like, this is my friend. That's my friend. And he is so upset. And he gives Jack what for? Because all through the episode, whenever Ed and Steed were at odds, Ed keeps saying to Steed, Jack's my friend. Jack's my friend. And Steed's like, if he's your friend, okay, if he's your friend, I'm going to try. Because it means something to Steed that Jack is Ed's friend. Even though he hates Jack, the way he feels about Ed carries over. And Mm -hmm. in this scene, when it becomes very clear that Jack is helping sell Steed out, like you said, Ed just snaps and screams at him, he's my friend. And that's when Jack says, pirates don't have friends. But they do in fairy tales. They do. So he breaks the oars. So basically stranding. Oh, oh, sorry. The reason. Okay. Jack's plan is actually very brilliant. Mm-hmm. The way that he planted these seeds. I don't think we talked about this is uh, blind man's cove is called this because if someone comes, you're blind to these attacks. And once they're close enough it's too late to escape so there are three giant english warships <laughs> that have trapped the revenge in the cove and jack is explaining duh that's what captain harigold used to do hornigold hornigold yes yes you're a hard i just raised. love the line and you laugh too it's like what are they gonna get here i don't know oh there they are because the ships are already here <laughs> And there's no escape. There is no escape. And Ed jumps out of the dinghy and swims to the revenge and goes down with everybody. Okay, listen, you just jumped all the way through one of my favorite scenes in the show. (laughs) We are going to slow down and step through this, okay? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he just jumps off the dinghy and he goes down with the revenge and that's it. That's the end. (laughs) First off. Mr. Button says hex comes true. 
yeah. Livy lands on the boat and she stared at Jack and you started cracking up during this scene. Why? What about the camera work was making you laugh? It was played off like an old Western because there are three people involved in the scene and it is Jack, Buttons, and Olivia. And the camera just like, it doesn't like pan up. It just hard cuts into eyes, next person's eyes, bird eyes, button eyes, Jack eyes. And it just gets closer and closer and closer. And this goes on for much longer than you think. And it's just funny. Well done. Okay. So you said old Western. What about it made you think Old Western? Because anytime there's a a duel, a duel, what is it called? A a pistol shoot him up to the death. Okay, so it's wait, I'm not done explaining yet. (laughs) Because they always they always zoom in onto like the cowboy's eyes or you know the sheriff's eyes and you know the you know sort of a thing. Oh, sorry, you said you said the doodle, you said the music. This is spoofing not just any old western this is an homage to a very specific scene that's become so famous that now when any tv show spoofs or has a western episode and i know you were thinking about supernatural when you were talking about this (laughs) this is specifically hearkening to a scene from the good the bad and the ugly when they have a three-way standoff these people just looking at each other and cutting from eyes to eyes to hands to <laughs> eyes. All these very tight, very detailed shots. And then it's not until when they all go for their guns. And, you know, and the cuts are getting faster and faster and faster like they are doing with uh, Carl. No, like yeah, like they're doing with Livy and Jack and Buttons here. They cut faster and faster and faster and faster until the moment when the gun goes off. And then it cuts extremely wide and we see the graveyard they're standing in and we see the smoke going from the one guy's gun and the dude falls and he falls right into an already well he falls next to an already dug grave and then the (laughs) other guy like is trying to get his gun out and everything anyway the good the bad and the ugly so that is what this is a spoof of i think they did a great job good job burton birdie i laughed because the bird flies off and you know we're kind of left going like oh what's what's happening but the english have fired a warning volley and it takes out jack instead (laughs) so carl and buttons and livy get their revenge yep on the revenge (laughs) on the revenge anyway but emily what does the next cannonball do Oh, it takes out the unicorn head of the the prow of the ship or whatever. Almost as if the fairy tale's over. <gasps> no, is it gonna get bad? Oh Probably no, not. Megan! No. I mean, Ed and Steve are together now. They're together now. Nothing matters anymore. And so the fairy. Oh, Megan! I don't think I can watch the end of this. If it gets bad, should we just I can't stop here? Yes. Too bad. The name of the podcast is I Made You Do It. I'm going to force you at microphone point to finish this season. No, they're together now. It's good. Hey. Yeah, they're just, they're just being, they've just been arrested by the British. Not yet. Can Armada. you stop cutting through the scene so quickly? I'm sorry. Because Ed 
climbs up the ship. Okay, Steed is getting ready to fight. He's getting ready to go down in a blaze. He's going to make us fire the cannons back. But Ed climbs on board. He says, hoist the white flag. Steed looks up. He sees him. He goes, Ed. And then, Ed, do you know what he says? He says, better alive than dead. Now, Emily, how is that different from when we were first talking to Ed in episode four? That's not Spanish Jackie. No, that's when we first meet him and he and Izzy are on board ship and Steed is sick. Oh, uh, basically go down in a blaze of glory. Like yeah, he's so bored, he'd rather die than keep being a pirate. Yeah, yeah. But now, because he's with Steed, he's like better alive than dead. Do you know what that is? Growth. <laughs> <laughs> And so they, the pirates all do what Blackbeard says, which I think is a huge departure. The whole series, Blackbeard always gets people out of scrapes. Blackbeard is always, we're going to use psychology. We're going to use movie, quote unquote, movie magic. We're going to use, you know, we're, we're going to just pull off some incredibly a million to one chance escape. And in this one, he straight up says, do not try to fight these people. And I think he's worried that if they did try to fight, something would happen to Steed. All right. All right. Now, the next is a, is a scene that is redefining how music should be used. And it's because <laughs> the action is synced so well to the track. Like, they would have had to pirate this out ahead of time. And, well, okay, listen, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie synced their music with the sword fight, and the trailers for Pirates 2 and 3 synced their sword fights with the score, but the movies for Pirates 2 and 3 didn't sync their sword <laughs> fights with the score, and I'm like, you're Pirates of the Caribbean, what are you doing? You know, people are here just to see, dun 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 Ugh, listen, syncing your action with your music is so, it, it demonstrates such thoughtfulness and i really like it and listen i'm not saying everything has to be mickey moused all the time did you know why it's called mickey mousing no because when steamboat willie came out they were making a huge deal of showing that their animation was perfectly synced with the music and showing oh. you know playing the xylophone on the teeth da 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 da, da, da. because that was the first time that a cartoon had synced their sound with their action so deliberately. And so a lot of times it's called Mickey Mousing. Um, but they're using the 2004 remaster of The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. And the scene is shot in slow motion, but it matches up with the song, which means that they would have filmed this at a higher frame rate. So, like, instead of filming 24 frames a second, they were filming maybe 50, 60, 100 frames a second, and then played it back at 24 frames a second. So, math time. If you are filming 100 frames a second, but then you only play it back at 24 frames a second, then one second of film stretches out to become just over four seconds of film. That's how you get slow motion, is you film at a higher frame rate, but play at a normal frame rate. And to have the 
the drummer play in time, they would have had to figure out the BPM of break the chain at a faster speed and had either given the guy a metronome or literally played a chipmunk version of the song on set so he could catch it. <laughs> Not only is the drum synced up with it, but when the uh, Englishman jumps over the side of the ship, right when he lands on the deck is the moment that it like posits before the voices come in. And I love it. And it's just, Emily, it's so good. This whole last bit, all slow motion and all of the pirates go down one by one. Listen to the rainbow. Watch the sunrise. And they're all one by one thrown down on the deck. Buttons runs through with his uh, butt cheeks hanging out. Uh, Frenchie gets taken out with his loot. And then Frenchie's just standing there playing his own soundtrack to the mayhem going on and is surprised. He looks so surprised when the English come and take him down. Yeah. Yep. And then the camera's tracking with Admiral Badminton while we're seeing the rest of the crew be put down. But then the the camera adjusts down to uh, Steed and Ed thrown to the ground. And when they hit the deck, it goes back into real time. Emily, what do they say? You came back. Never left. And now, this final shot, as we are craning up from the two of them lying down on the deck, I want you to watch it again, and I want you to watch their feet. Because I watched their faces the first time through, and I'm guessing you did too. This time through, watch their feet. Okay, I'm getting there. Craning up, their hands are tied behind their back. Oh no! Oh, what happened? no! What happened? Blackbeard slides his foot over to touch Steed's foot. Ah! Uh. Improv Amazing. by Taika. Oh, really perfect. great, really great touch. I I love it. It's just like this slow, this slow slide, just mm-hmm. like yeah. To be like, hey, I'm here. And if you if you look, Steed barely rolls his ankle, but he moves his foot into the touch, like, in response. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sweet. And then we smash cut to Bert and Birdie. Ladies, thank you so much. This was such a good episode. I love it. Well, okay, mm-hmm. I hate Calico Jack, but I'm supposed to. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well done. Well done, everyone involved with this. Yeah. So that is that wraps up our coverage of season one, episode eight. We go way back. We go way back. Uh, Emily, what are your immediate thoughts? What do you think will happen in episode nine, Act of Grace? Oh, well, now you've got me all worried because I'm realizing they're going to be taken off the revenge and back to the English. And... I- I am so afraid for everyone who is now outside of the fairy tale because literally every bad thing that I think can happen will happen to them. Every I'm thinking one? torture. I'm thinking, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know everything, but like, oh, so nervous. You will be pleased to know that starting next episode, I will finally have some more actual historical facts to present. Perfect. Um, although there was a little bit of actual history in this episode, can you guess what it is? Is Calico Jack a real person? 
Calico Jack is the name of a real person. Yes. Uh, he was married to another famous pirate, Anne Bonnie. Okay, I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. And they ran scams and stuff together. So very clearly, like, this Calico Jack isn't the the historic one. But, you know, they they used his name. I think I think it was a fun, I think it was a fun pick of historical person. But, uh, Emily, oh, the next... Oh, really quick. Yep. The, the thing that you said that you missed, was that the foot sliding? That's that was what the foot. it... Okay. Got it, got it. Uh, Next episode is called Act of Grace. What do you think that is? All I can think of is, like, they want to try these people for their crimes, but you think of, like, justice and mercy. I don't know where Grace is going to come into this. Unless there's literally someone named Grace who comes into this. Well, tune in next time, listeners, where Emily and I will watch episode nine and then talk it through as a crew thank you so much everybody have a good night love you bye thanks again for tuning into another great episode and yes I do say great episode because I think Emily and I did a fantabulous job on this one. Catch us this coming Thursday for our next Roswell episode, Thursday, July the 28th. Oh my gosh. And then the week after, y'all, it's August. It's August already. How? How? How do these things happen? Anyway, Tuesday, August 3rd, we'll be having our next Our Flag Means Death episode, Act of Grace. And then the Thursday after that, we're talking Way of Kings some more. So Thursday, August 4th, we'll talk about... Oh, wait, it's not Way of Kings. It's Words of Radiance. But anyway, we're talking about Kaladin and Shalon and all those, all those fine folks. Which, ironically, in the next Words of Radiance episode, there's a pirate ship. Well, there's an attack by pirates. There's a boat. Things go bad. You'll love it. Listen to our Words of Radiance coverage. Ah. Oh. The sleepiness has not gone away. I'm still tired. Uh, maybe I will go and go to bed. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. I've got like three more things to do on my to-do list and then I'll go to bed. Um, but I hope you all have a wonderful Tuesday and a great rest of your week. I really love you and I want to thank you for listening. Okay, have a good one. Bye for now. Bye.